We're looking today at Proverbs chapter 1 verse 20 to 33. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 20 to 33. And I've entitled this Foolish Triplets. And we're going to look at the whole um, concept of the fool in Proverbs and the way the world looks at the fool, what is a fool, and the way the Bible teaches us what is a fool. And there's a big difference between the two. And the video that I've just shown you is an example of a general understanding of what the word fool means. It's someone who causes chaos. But the Bible actually explains that a fool is someone different. And so let's look at what God's Word says. And um, I hope that as we go through this, the Holy Spirit will make us attentive uh, each of our lives to maybe recognize some of these characteristics in ourselves. Uh, Because I've been uncomfortably aware of some in myself this week. Um, as the Bible makes these things living for us. So let's look at God's Word. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 to 33 is our introduction. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you, because I have called, and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand, and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel, and would have none of my reproof. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Let's just come before the Lord and ask his blessing on his word. Lord, as we have opened your word, we pray that you would make it come alive in us. Lord, do your surgery in us where there is a sinful attitude. Lord, may you make it known to us, and may your Spirit cut it out of us, we pray. Because we want to be holy like your Son. Lord, make our ears attentive. Make our hearts to hear, we pray. Amen. Well, those words that we've just read, by the way, are not the words that God is saying. It is wisdom speaking. Alright, so when God says, I will mock at your calamity, it's wisdom because we have turned our backs on wisdom. Alright, we need to understand the genre inside which this book is written as well. Well, the fool in Proverbs is sometimes described just as we saw this, um, the, the little excerpt from um, the Three Stooges in a slightly humorous term, but not really. I use the word humorous with quotation marks. It's seemingly humorous. 
But when the Bible uses the word fool, it's more so with sadness and a warning. It's a bit like the role of the court jester a couple of hundred years ago, where the court jester was supposed to keep the king entertained by making jokes and acting the fool, but in actual fact he was also supposed to warn the king when the king was going off track, and thereby he sometimes lost his neck. Proverbs calls us to pursue true wisdom and the fear of the Lord. And to reject this wisdom and the fear of the Lord, says God's word, is foolishness. And so in using the word fool, it's not being used in a denigrating way, like scripture tells us not to use it. You fool, in other words, raka, which means you worthless one, you empty one. That's not the way we're looking at the word fool. Rather, fool is used in the sense of someone turning their back on God, someone turning their back on wisdom. It's foolishness. And so the fool in Proverbs and in wider Scripture is one whose mind remains closed for the present to God and to reasoning about God and what God has said about fearing Him. So that's how we're using the word fool in Proverbs. And the fool is two other companions when you've been reading through the book of Proverbs. I hope you have been taking the time. It's a really interesting book to read through. You'll come across these two companions for the fool, Lady Folly, and then the good one, Lady Wisdom, and then the bad one, The Sluggard. And we're going to come to The Sluggard some stage. It's quite humorous, actually, but with a warning. And so, as we describe these foolish triplets, Simple, The Fool, and Scoffer, Proverbs directs us to examine our own lives and our attitudes as I prayed. Lord, as these characteristics are described, are they in me? And we've got to be honest before the Lord. Why? Because the Holy Spirit sees our hearts anyway. And so let's just be honest with Him. If there's something we need to fix up, we need to do that with the Lord. So remember that constantly as we're going through these descriptions. So let's look at the first term that we've got here. The simple. Now the Hebrew word for that, and I've just put it in phonetic language, just petty. P-E-T-I. The simple. This is one who is easily deceived or seduced. I'm going to just read you the references. I'll, just, I'll quote them directly because it will save you from flicking through Proverbs. Proverbs 14.15 says, the, sim- the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. You only have to go on multimedia now and on the internet. 22.3 says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Lots of wisdom. You see, the simple is willful in that ignorance. The simple pays the price for it. The simple doesn't want to know, doesn't want to get to the truth. Just accepts what comes their way. Proverbs 1.32 says, For the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. Don't we see that all over now? Just the way the media reports. Complacency. And I'm going to come to that more. You see, there's always a consequence to be paid for staying willfully ignorant of the truth. There's always a consequence. And one of those consequences is a much more serious condition. Proverbs 14.18 describes it. The simple inherit folly. 
The simple inherit more folly. It's God's punishment on them. But the prudent are crowned with knowledge. You see, the truth is that no one ever stays the same. You see, that's not the characteristic of sin. Sin grows in us. Wrong thinking grows in us. We never stay the same. And thank the Lord, holiness is the same. We never stay the same. We get more and more and more like Jesus Christ. No one ever stays the same. And the result of sin, the result of sin and folly growing in us is that folly becomes fun. We saw that. Folly becomes fun. I'll come back to that. 15 verse 21 says, Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense. And the simple have nothing better to do than to chase vanities and worthless pursuits. Just look at the example we've looked at before in chapter 7 of that young man. As, as the person writing Proverbs looked out of his window, he saw a young man who was classed under simple the fool, and he passed by the house of the seductress, and he wasn't watching what he was doing. He was dutifully malingering there. He was, he was malingering outside there with a purpose, and he got what he asked for. She came out to him, and she did seduce him. I just think, if you turn on your news of all the police activity, what is the police activity mostly taken up with? Yes, it's fighting crime, but a lot of it's taken up with pursuing and arresting young people and adults who are pursuing folly. And so we end up with drunken brawls and these images on TV of adults, drunken adults, vomiting and everything outside pubs and being arrested and taken away in vans. There's a description of folly. Young people thinking they can race away from police who are giving chase in police cars. Underaged ones. We had the 15-year-old with a 13 and 14-year-old in the car arrested the other day in Auckland. Folly. And what do they call it? Folly is now called just having a bit of fun. Folly is called letting our hair down. Chilling out. So teens and young people, I want to ask you, what are you spending your time chasing? Is it folly? Are you chasing after on the latest online games which just suck up all your time and a lot of your money? Are you just chasing, parting it up with your friends? The Bible says, are you chasing folly? Worthlessness. And adults, men and women, what's the folly you and I are chasing? The Lord has to speak to each one of us because we each are chasing something. None of us is perfect as we sit here. What is it? What is that empty seduction? What is that idol of the heart that you are chasing? Maybe it's that soapy that's been going on for 32 plus years. Old Coro Street. And you sit there and you waste your time in front of that screen. Folly. Christians, what overcomes you and I and takes... What overcomes you and I when we, we, we go out on the internet? Are we taken in by every new Christian fad that comes out? Every awesome teaching that everyone else is raving about. Every book that comes our way. And there are quite a few examples I could name. One of them was the shack that came out. People went hype about it. But if you actually read it, it's really dangerous. Chasing folly. Are we easily taken in? Or do we weigh up carefully by Scripture? 
Or perhaps you are complacent in your faith. You're happy where you are. You're cruising. You're not bothered about growing. The sad thing is that simple does not have to stay this way. Simple's instability can be rectified, but he prefers not to accept discipline in the school of wisdom. I'd like to stay that way. So that's the first character as we come in Scripture in Proverbs. Simple. We come to the second triplet, the fool. And the fool is made up of three different characteristics. And this is where it got a bit uneasy for me. First one is this, the word kessel, used 50 times plus in Proverbs. The one who is dull to wisdom and not bothered by it. Now it sounds nearly the same as the previous one, but it's not. There's a difference here. You see, Kessel, the fool, finds wisdom, ah, it's all too hard. It's not talking about lack of intelligence here, by the way, but an attitude towards wisdom. This is the person who has no idea of a patient search for wisdom, but wants it all dished up on a plate. Now, I want to know now, I don't want to do Bible study. It's too hard work. I'll just go to Google. I'll just look at YouTube and get my wisdom there. Yes, about the Bible too. I don't want to do the study. I don't want to put the time in. It's very characteristic, and don't throw anything now, um, very characteristic of many centennials now, those born after 96 onwards, the instant age. And I praise the Lord, it's not everyone, by the way. I see great examples in this church. That's to stop things being thrown at me. I see that in quite a few young people. But I also see that we went to a recent conference among many young people there, really wanting to be on fire for the Lord, really wanting to align their lives to His Word. Praise the Lord for them. But it is characteristic of the centennials, this instant age. They want it now. No Bible study. No wanting to search for wisdom. You see, this person's opinions of life and the responses to life are formed by what is the popular belief on social media. Social media says this, I believe it. And then what do I do? I rehash it and pass it on. You get it all the time. I don't know if you saw this last march against climate change. It's like a mass hysteria. And okay, there are valid reasons for why they want to do this, but the reason's gone long ago. It's mass hysteria. It's a sweeping up. In the old days, it's like going to a pop concert and throwing things at the pop stars. It's the same thing on multimedia, on social media. And so there's this belief of whatever comes on social media and there's no thinking about it very deeply. There's a little bit. And then there's a rehashing and pouring it out freely. Proverbs 13, 16 says, The fool flaunts his folly. Just pours out. The problem is, There's no reverence for truth anymore. And there's rather this preference for a comfortable illusion. Proverbs says, The careless ease of fools will destroy them. Don't want to do the work behind this. I don't want to think for myself and find the truth for myself. I'm just going to say what everyone else is saying. As Christians, we're also under this sometimes. We're sometimes easily swayed by this mass hysteria on issues which come up on social media. The differing opinions I've already heard on freedom of expression when it came to Israel for Lao. It's really worrying. Some Christians have just not thought through this whole issue. There are wider ramifications here. 
There's a real worry that freedom of expression, as we need it as believers, is also going to be curbed. The opinion now on, multi- on social media is that freedom of expression is okay as long as it's liberal and left. And I'll come back to that. Think about that. As long as you agree with the liberal left, then freedom of expression is alright. If you come against that, we're seeing more and more of that in our society now. It's the start of things, I believe. And so there's the first characteristic of the fool, Kessel. The one is dull to to wisdom and not bothered. The second one is Ewell, used 19 times in the book of Proverbs. This person can't imagine themselves mistaken. Their opinion must be right. And this is where I get uncomfortable. Because I can be like that sometimes. Watch out if you come against this one. Proverbs 17.10 says, A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. How do these people give themselves away? They give themselves away as soon as they open their mouths or put their fingers on a keyboard. They're quarrelsome. It doesn't matter what you're writing about or what the topic is, they are a ginner. And there's a moral insolence here, and it's not based on truth, but on self-formed values. Self-formed values. And the media are often guilty of this now. I want to read you an extract from our famous chronicle, taken from Wednesday, 22nd of May, this week. I won't say who this is, I'll just say it's under another view. You can look it up yourselves. Now, I'm quoting from this journalist. This is her opinion about Israel for last sacking. I must stress, it's not all Christians who are against this, many of whom I have seen condemn Folau and others who tout similar opinions, but some within the religion who conflate a changing society with moral degradation. In other words, how dare they? In modern times though, Christianity's influence on the populace has been declining and society is forming its own morals. Acceptance and tolerance is the new fabric of morality in modern society and those who don't agree with this must expect that their views will be met with disapproval. How's that for a good balanced view? If you want to really to listen to a really good debate on the whole Israel Folau case, and I'm mentioning it because it's in the news now, go to our Facebook site, Wanganui East Baptist. I've put an interview there that John sent to me this week. Really, really good. Go and listen to it. It's about 10 minutes long. Very balanced. It's a non-Christian reporter speaking to a Christian. Go and listen to it. It gives good perspective on that if you're still in doubt with what's happening. But you see, as Christians, we can also get drawn into this I can't imagine myself wrong attitude. You quickly jump on your high horse when someone comes up against Christianity and you just want to get even. Yes, there's a time to respond, but only after good, sound, wisdom-based reflection. And my good friend Dave often reminds me of this. Because I can be reactive. It's my weakness. 
He says to me, Calvin, take a chill pill. Think about it and then write. Thank you, Dave. So that's the second characteristic of the fool. First one was dull to wisdom, not bothered. The second one's I can't be wrong. And the third one is, and this is the darkest one, I don't want to know. I don't want to know the truth. We're not talking about a person with a lack of intelligence here, but rather an attitude towards wisdom. I don't want to know. And many atheists fall under this description. Psalm 53 verse 1 says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. You see, it's not intelligence or a lack thereof that leads a person to reject belief in God. It's a lack of righteousness that leads a person to reject belief in God. Their heart is wrong. They can't help it. Their heart needs to get changed. And many, many people don't object to the idea of a creator as long as that creator minds his own business and leaves them alone. We often get that in the media now. I want to be my own God. I can decide for myself in my life. And what people are rejecting is the idea of a creator who demands morality from his creation. And rather than struggle against the guilty conscience and the conscience created by God, they reject the idea of God altogether. They tell themselves, there is no overseer of the world, there is no judgment day, I can live as I please. The Bible calls this type of person a fool. And no, I know that's not very PC. And yes, it's probably going to be classed as hate speech. Secondly, denying God's existence is often based on a desire to lead a wicked life, to live life my way. Some prominent atheists have admitted the truth of this. Um, Aldous Huxley, he's a PDP, he's an FDP. What's that? Anyone know what an FDP is? Famous dead philosopher. I thought you'd all know that. Alright. So he's a famous um, philosopher, Aldous Huxley, and he wrote this. This is from his own pen, his own mouth. He was one who said, everything is meaningless. He was behind a lot of what happened in the hippie movement way back. None of you will remember that. Actually, yeah, John might. <laughs> All right. Aldous Huxley, he said this. I had motives for not wanting the world to have a meaning and consequently assumed that it had none and was able without any difficulty to find satisfying reasons for this assumption. For myself, as no doubt for most of my friends, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation from a certain system of morality. We objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. To justify ourselves in our erotic revolt, we would deny that the world had any meaning whatever. That's his own admission late in his life. Scripture says, chapter 30, verse 32, If you have been foolish, exalting yourself, or if you have been devising evil, put your hand on your mouth. In short, stop it. As a Christian, do we sometimes kick against the idea that we are accountable to God? You see, that is, happens especially if we've got pet sins. Sins we really want to look after. We're not so keen to let them go. And we kind of wish God would mind his own business and leave us alone. I want to be my own God. 
Proverbs calls us to examine our attitudes against God's standards for righteousness. Proverbs is a ruler for us, saying measure your life against God's standards. And so we've seen the fool, someone who's not bothered about finding the truth, someone who can't be wrong, and someone who doesn't want to know. So those are two of the triplets. Third triplet is the scoffer. And this one is the most serious one. The one who deliberately makes trouble. The one who's got his own agenda. Proverbs 21-24 says this, The scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Scoffers set a city aflame, but the wise turn away wrath. We've all met these ones, especially in the newspaper. You see, there's some in our newspaper, our local rag, and you see it in the New Zealand Herald as well. Some who've got this vitriolic anti-Christian letters to the editor, and they're written by this specific small group of people, you could nearly name them here today, I won't, who are openly anti-God, openly denigrating anyone who holds to these supposedly outdated, out of touch, unwanted by modern secular society views. Yep. And very much so in this last year. The scoffer is the one who leads the impressionable and the untaught away. And what happens? People read these letters. They're not searching for the truth. And so they're just responding and coming and chiming in with these people. They are leading the untaught away. Proverbs 21.11 says, When a scoffer is punished, the simple becomes wise. Unfortunately, there is no punishment. Proverbs 21.9 says, The devising or scheming of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to mankind. That's the Lord's judgment on scoffers. And so what's the end result? Proverbs 19.29 says, Condemnation is ready for scoffers and beating for the backs of fools. That's hardly a laughing matter before the Lord. And so do you see the difference between the way the Lord sees the fool and the way the world understands the fool? It's directly opposite. What do we do with this? What do we do with this this morning? You see, as I've said before, Proverbs is a ruler against which we are to evaluate our own Attitudes, And as we look at Scripture, we are to uh, evaluate our own attitudes before the Lord. And so Proverbs serves as a warning, both to unbelievers of God and to Christ followers. How does your life measure up to these characteristics that have been named this morning? Are you and I easily sidetracked spiritually? Are we seduced by unwise attitudes and unwise behavior, younger people? Am I obstinate in my sin? Do I kick against God's authority? Am I a fool in my ways? Says the Lord. Well, praise God that there's hope for fools this morning. There's hope for fools. Proverbs 26 verse 12 says, There is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. I love that. There's more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise in their own eyes. And so there is hope for fools, for Christ followers, for Christians here this morning. If you realize that you have some of those characteristics in your life, then don't be wise in your own eyes. You see, humans were not created as fools. When God created Adam, he was no fool. 
that humans became fools by the toxic influence of a greater fool. Satan corrupted himself before people. And while Satan is now beyond hope of repentance, you are not. Satan can't apologize to God. We can ask forgiveness as God's creations. Humans can be healed. We can be cleansed of the state of mind that produces foolish behavior. And the truth is that every one of us was a fool until the Holy Spirit found us and drew us to Himself and changed our hearts, right? None of us was righteous. We were all fools in our understanding. But God found us. God gave us a new heart. God gave us a heart of understanding. God gave us a heart which gave Him His due. God gave us a heart of wisdom. And therefore we can bring our foolishness to one who is all-wise and all-knowing. He'll understand. He'll forgive if we come to Him. And the free grace of Jesus Christ will forgive you your foolish ways. And if you're an unbeliever here today too, the free grace that Jesus Christ, the love that He pours out and that is available to you, is there for you if you would only come and confess, Lord, I'm still a fool. I still reject you. But I want to know your Son. I want to have this new understanding which only you can give. Lord, I choose not to remain a fool. But the truth is, if you remain like that, Proverbs 26.11 says, then you're like a dog that returns to its vomit. It's very graphic, but very descriptive. And to the unbelievers here, any that still have not yet put your heart into the hands of Jesus Christ, Proverbs 3, verse 7 to 8 says this, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. And it will bring healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. You see, God is speaking to you this morning. And you might feel that inside of you there's this emptiness and this futility with life. It doesn't seem to make sense as it should. Well, that's the Lord speaking to you. Saying to Him, Recognize who I am. I am your Creator. The one who knows you intimately. I've not created you to remain away from me in foolishness. But you can come to me. You can turn to me. And He invites you to follow His Son, Jesus Christ. Will you turn your back on God and stay a fool? Chapter 1 verse 23 says this. Beautiful words. If you turn at my reproof, in other words, turn to me, behold, I will pour out my Spirit to you and will make my words known to you. You will then understand when the Holy Spirit comes on you and gives you that heart of understanding. There's God's offer to us as fools. I want us to stand as we end this morning and to read together from Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 to 8. Look at the beautiful words of wisdom here. And let's stand and read this to the Lord. And read this to your own heart so that you will understand what God is saying to us this morning. Proverbs chapter 2 Verse 1-8. to eight. Let's read together. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight 
and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. Beautiful words. But notice two things. It says, if, 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 then... If you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek wisdom with all your heart, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. That's when the Holy Spirit comes on you and gives you that understanding. Then the Lord will give you wisdom and it will be sound wisdom. He will be a shield for you then. He will guard you from that moment if you come to Him. If you don't come, you remain in the first half under the ifs. So come to the Lord. His offer is there for every single one of us today. Let's pray. Yes, Lord, we stand before your word. We stand because you've given us your word as a source of inspiration, as a source of comfort, but also as a rule against which to measure our lives. And then you've given us your Holy Spirit, your Spirit which can make that understanding come true in us. That understanding become real in us. The one who makes known to us where we have fallen short. And the one who can help us to come before you and to ask you for forgiveness, to ask you for new life, to ask you to give us real wisdom, real understanding. Lord, may we not be so proud that we cannot bow the knee to you May we not be so proud that we turn our backs on wisdom and walk away in our ignorance and remain fools for the rest of our existence. Help us in our unbelief, we pray. And Lord, I pray for believers here today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize those areas in our lives that still need your work in us. There are so many of them. Lord, be merciful to us. You've promised to forgive us. But help us too to come to you, to acknowledge our sin and our shortcomings before you, our foolish attitudes. Lord, fill us with your wisdom so that we can live out the wisdom that you give to the world so that the world may know that Jesus Christ is alive in us and for them. We ask this in the name of our almighty God, the all-knowing and all-powerful one. Amen.